Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. 17 weeks, four quarters, 60 minutes, and it all leads up to one winning, winning drive. Happy Hump Day, everybody. Welcome back to the Winning Drive podcast. I am Rita Hubbard, the NFL chick, co-host of Baltimore Post Game Uncensored on 105.7 The Fan, with my guy Cordell Woodland of Shaking It Up Sports and the Ravens reporter on 105.7 The Fan. Cordell, we know that the Ravens are in a search of offensive coordinator. And so as a result, we've seen so many names be attached to, you know, what the Ravens or who the Ravens, I should say, um, have been interested in and or reached out to. Um, There's a few names that they had of interest. That was uh, former Colts head coach Frank Reich. But I never know if I say his name right. Is it Reich or Reich? I never get it right. Right. Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, um, Buccaneers offensive coordinator Byron Leftwich, um, Justin uh, Outen has also been uh, requested for an interview, and then there's some guys that it, it appears that the Ravens um, have requested permission to interview as well. Uh, Rams passing game coordinator Zach Robinson, Cleveland's passing game coordinator Chad O'Shea, um, Seattle's Seahawks quarterback coach Dave. Uh, Canals, and then the Vikings pass game coordinator, Brian Angelicchio. I, I figured that out on the fly, so I apologize <laughs> if I'm wrong. <laughs> but uh, So those are the guys that came up. There's some guys that I'm, that I would love that the Ravens be interested in as well. Um, you know, obviously uh, there's going to be some internal uh interviews that you'll see um going on also so um you know how do you feel early on with what the ravens what what you've heard or what we've heard in terms of interest in terms of interview and uh what the ravens are are looking at do you feel like this is the right path because there's a lot of quote-unquote pass game coordinators that we're mm-hmm. hearing about um, on, on here. So it does feel like that they do want to have some emphasis in the pass game, which they need to because they they struggle at that. Um, or do you have an issue with uh, the, the the guy from um, Denver, Outen, who appears to be more like a run game coordinator, but, but to be fair, um, you know – he only called games for two games last year after the firing of Nathaniel Hackett. So I'm just curious to know from the round of names that you've heard so far, does it feel like that they're trending in the right direction? I would say yes. I think, you know, they're identifying their biggest issue um, in this past year's offense or the last couple of years offense is the pass game. They have to get better in the pass game. They have to put, a bigger emphasis on that. And I think I think they're going to be able to run the ball. I don't think that they're worried about running the football. They have the personnel to be able to run the football. Um, I think that they're going to take a lot of what Greg Roman did in the run game and, and have the new offensive coordinator apply that to their scheme as well. But they have to get better in the pass game. And you're seeing it uh, with some of the names you mentioned that they're, you know, that they're looking at as far as this offensive coordinator searches is determined. And even some guys like Frank Reich and Biennemi and Byron Leftwich, like Biennemi may not be the biggest run game guy, um, but he's about as creative as they come 
when it comes to the pass game. Uh, Byron Leftwich has been very pass heavy uh, since he's been the offensive coordinator out in, in Tampa Bay. Um, Frank Reich, he's a guy that likes to incorporate the pass game, but the play action game is a big part of what he likes to do. I think that's the biggest thing for the Ravens offense is that they have to get the play action game to catch up to how good the run game is. There's no reason why the pass game should not be a lot better than it was considering how well they ran the ball. They should have been killing teams with the play action. Especially yeah. when you look back at the games like the 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 second Steelers game where the, the Steelers are out there with like eight, nine in the box every single play, sometimes 10. And it's just like, what are you doing? Why? And the Ravens were still reluctant to throw the football. That can't happen. Um, not in this day and age. So I, I think that that's the big thing that they're going to put the emphasis on this year now, it doesn't matter who they get as the offensive coordinator. They're going to have to still get more talent on the outside. I, they could get all the pass game coordinators they want in here, but if they don't get somebody out there that can run some routes, get open and beat man, beat single coverage and actually make a play down the field, it, it's all for naught. Um, but I, I don't I don't have an issue with the search going on right now. I'm kind of surprised that Joe Lombardi hasn't gotten more calls Uh former offensive coordinator with the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers decided to let him go and keep Brandon Staley. And I don't I don't look at Joe Lombardi as kind of the reason why the Chargers failed. I, I don't I don't think the offense was the reason they failed. I mean if you look at that Chargers team, they were able to be beyond sustainable despite not having Keenan Allen for most of the year, despite not having Mike Williams for most of the year, they're out there with their, you know, third, fourth, fifth string wide receivers making it happen. Um, now they, they, he may not have, you know, the, the chargers weren't the biggest run team, so to speak. But again, I, I think that the Ravens are really going to keep, they're going to try to keep a lot of what Roman did in the run game regardless of who the new offensive coordinator is. But you look at the way they used Austin Eckler in the past game and stuff. I mean, I, I think that J.K. Dobbins is due for a bigger workload next year, and that's going to include him being a lot more involved in the past game, you would think, than he has been to this point in his career. So, you know, I, I like the way that Joe Lombardi was able to get his wide receivers involved while still keeping his tight end involved. Jared Everett had a really good year this year out in uh, L.A., getting Austin Eckler more than involved in the past game. Granted, that's his skill set. That's what he does a lot of. But J.K. Dobbins, I think, can do do pretty much anything that any other running back in the NFL um, can do if given the opportunity. So I, I think that they're going to take their time with this offensive coordinator search. Um, I, they have to get it right because I, I do believe that jobs are on the line. You know, I think Harbs is going to be tied to this decision. Uh, I think Lamar, this is going to impact Lamar's decision on what he ultimately decides to do. We, we heard Harbs say at the press conference that Lamar would have say so in this offensive coordinator search. So um, I, I think that they're definitely going to do their due diligence and make sure that they take their time and hire the right guy. Yeah, I, I mean, they don't have a choice, really. They have to find a way to get this right. If Harbaugh wants to keep his job, he has to find a way to get this right. Um, because if if he's not on the hot seat now, uh, then there's a problem here. Um, this team continues to be lackluster offensively. Um, and, you know, I, I just don't think that they can really afford to keep being a team that's good enough to be in the playoffs, but not enough to win playoff games. That's it's, it's abysmal. I completely understand that you didn't have Lamar Jackson the last two years, but at the end of the day, um, you still have to find a way to, to win games and offensively, they, they struggle to consistently play call and scheme up the right. Um, games in, in certain situations. Um, and so uh, this is very important for him. You know, a lot of people will say that, you know, when he fired um, Cam Cameron in 2012, that that was a really important decision and it catapulted them into going into the Super Bowl. Now, I, you know, <clears throat> I'm not going to argue that it's very possible that that's the case. Um, but, but I think that this is a very, very, very important, 
important um, hire for Harbs because I'd argue that Harbs' job was not on the line in 2012. They had just went to an AFC championship that they should have won, and they lost the year before. Um, and and eventually, we know how that goes. They repeated and, and advanced to the Super Bowl. Well, this time, he's only won one playoff game since 2014. So that is not acceptable, you know, from a, a franchise that at one point was used to going to AFC championship games on a regular basis. So um, this is a very, very important hire. I don't know if Eric Bieniemy is going to lead Kansas City to be in a worse situation because obviously the Ravens don't have the same type of weapons that um, Patrick Mahomes has. But you can argue that maybe he wants to get out from underneath the shadow of Andy Reid and try to say, look, I am this good by myself and I can show you this. And now I'm in a place like Baltimore where, you know, passing game is really not, the, has not been like their, their strong suit right. and I can change this around. So it's very possible that he wants a and new I, challenge. I, I also, I got, I got to check this to be sure, but I'm not sure if Eric B enemy calls the plays. In, in Kansas City. I, I want to say Andy Reid. I don't Reed think he calls, does. Yeah, I, I want to say Andy Reid calls the plays um in in Kansas City. Or even if he even if Eric B. Enemy does call the plays, I think Andy Reid kind of has more so of the say as far as what the game script is going to be, what what plays are going to be, you know, in their packages for game day. But I, I do think that that would be kind of you know, if there was a reason for him to jump ship, it's for him to be able to get total control over an offense for the first time. Yeah. So, so that's very possible. Um, you know, I, I look, I, I like Byron Leftwich. I am not sure what Byron Leftwich can do in an offense that is completely different from the offense that he had at Tampa because Tom Brady is a pocket quarterback. Um, they struggle to run the football, two things that are complete opposite of what the Ravens are. They have a guy that can move around in Lamar Jackson and they like to run the football. Um, so I, I, I'm curious to know how that would be something that the Ravens would be interested in. Um, but I agree with you. I think right is, is probably the best option here. And that's out of those three that that they wanted to um, look into. Um there's other guys, obviously, that we've heard that people really, you know, are, are, are saying, hey, this is, these are guys that we would like. So um, Slowick, uh, the pass game coordinator for the 49ers, uh, has been named. Um, Brian Johnson, um, Eagles quarterbacks coach, that's the person I would prefer, um, has been a guy that has come up. Uh, Clint Kubiak, um, which I, based on that name, I got to assume Gary <laughs> is his daddy. So... You know, we know Gary. Know. Yeah. Uh -huh. Scott Turner, you know, North Turner was to, thought to be one of the best offensive coordinators because of what he used to do in Dallas. Scott Turner ain't been much of anything well uh, in Carolina and Washington. But it cool, you know. It, hey, but 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 look, but Kyle Shanahan, look at Kyle Shanahan. Right. His daddy is my Shanahan. Yeah, the so. Shanahan's are definitely popping. I mean, so, you know, Kubiak is a guy that, I mean, you know, he is absolutely, you know, we know what Gary did. That mm -hmm. was probably one of Joe Flacco's best seasons here when Gary Kubiak was the coach that one season in 2014 and made it to the divisional round. Probably would have advanced more had they had the cornerbacks been healthy. But, um, yeah, I, I, look, I, I think that these names are all good names. Obviously, you've heard like T. Martin uh, and Urban is going to get some in-house looks. But I definitely think the Ravens need to cross all the T's, dot all the I's to get this offensive coordinator hiring right. They have to find a way to get this right because if you want to allure guys in free agency, if you don't want more of your wide receivers saying, I can't play in an offense like this, can you trade me? You have to find a guy that cares about the passing game just as much as they care about the running game in Baltimore. I think that that's imperative for, for picking up um, players and keeping said players in the process. Yeah, I, I totally agree. You know, I, I think a lot is going to be dependent on this. Like I said, I, I think that this, this higher – is going to influence Lamar's decision along with other things that they do. You know, they're still going to have to go out there and get more weapons for him and put a, put together an offense that he feels like he can succeed in. 
Um, but I also think whoever they get is going to have to, I mean, they've got all the creative, the creative juices they need in the run game. If they just turn on the film from Greg Roman's games. Um, but they lack creativity in the past game uh, to the third power. It's insane. I mean, they're the blandest passing attack in the NFL. Um, I think that that's going to have to be one of the big things that they are looking for out of their new coaches, somebody who has the creative uh, creativity to get this pass game off the ground. And I want to see somebody that puts more of an emphasis on the scramble drill. Lamar moves around too well and too often for there not to be more big plays made when he leaves the pocket. Yeah, I agree. I've just, that's always kind of upset me with this Ravens offense is that when it gets to the scramble drill, it's like these guys don't know what to do. It's like nobody has realized that their quarterback is the most mobile quarterback in the NFL. They have, whoever (laughs) it is, has to come in. I mean, when you look at, uh, Green Bay and stuff. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is far from the most mobile, but he will move. And when he moves out the pocket, I mean, those receivers know what to do. He knows where the receivers are going to be, and he always finds somebody. Same thing out in Kansas City. You know, you look all over the place. Everybody seems to have a better uh, uh, passing attack in the scramble drill than Baltimore does, and it's inexcusable to me. So, you know, I, I do want to see whoever they bring in, put more of an emphasis on receivers coming back to the quarterback and making themselves available once Lamar decides to uh, get out of the pocket at times. But like I said, they're going to have to get this right um, because I think, you know, their media future and their long-term future is very much dependent on their offense stepping it up. It looks like their defense will be formidable. We don't know how good it'll be next year considering they're losing – Uh, potentially some veteran guys, but they still have a nice young core on that defense. I think the defense is still going to be pretty set uh, for the foreseeable future, but they've got to get this offense to catch up. I I completely agree with you. Before we get into our next topic, uh, make sure that you're subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast so that every time there is a new episode, you will be the first to receive it. So the Ravens, uh, 2022 draft class for the most part Cordell um has been active in this season I mean you know aside from David Ajabo who eventually we did see late and did have an impact you know when he was able to play you know um some 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 good snaps um this this majority of the guys have played um this season at some capacity obviously Tyler Beatty uh he was on the practice squad and um, he, uh, his contract, he terminated his contract and he ended up going to go be with the Denver Broncos um, later this season. But there's guys that, that have all played um, this season when you look at last year's draft class. So when you start looking at this class, which again was very active when you, when you look at it overall, who do you think has the potential to have a standout sophomore season for the Ravens. Yeah, I mean, this is actually not the as easy as, you know, people may think it is um, because you look at it. I mean, this Ravens draft class was actually pretty good this year. Yeah. They, a lot of them contributed. Um, some of them started all season. Uh, you, you got your two first rounders that, Kyle Hamilton, I think finished number, and I don't, I don't ever go off of PFF because Same. it's nonsense to me. But <laughs> and, and, and for, for the sake of kudos for him, he did finish the number one safety in PFF. Now, how that is possible, but yet no Pro Bowls, no, no All Pros, no, no anything, no <laughs> defensive rookie of the year, not like nothing. But somehow PFF has him as the number one safety. Okay, whatever, or number two safety, whatever he finished in. Um, but he was good. He Kyle Hamilton finished the season very strong. Started off a little rocky, but you could definitely see the development with him as the season went on. His aggression turned up. Um, his physicality turned up. Uh, just just his awareness, just him knowing what to do and where to be on the football field got better as the year went on. Tyler Linderbaum might have been a top three center in the, in the NFL this year. Yeah. 
Um, I thought Isaiah likely had his moments when he was able to be out there and be the guy. Uh, David Ajabo, you know, the, is, is kind of just like we're taking the small sample size we got and trying to project what we're going to get from him down the line. But I, I still think he could be a quality player. It's just how well is he going to be able to bounce back off this Achilles? It's good that he'll have an offseason where he doesn't have to rehab. He's actually just working on his game. Travis Jones, you know, Pepe Williams, who I'm actually, I, I still think highly of. I think he'll still get an opportunity. And Jalen Armour Davis, whose season was kind of derailed from injury, uh, you know, you would imagine with the corner situation next year looking the way it is, he may have an opportunity to have some serious playing time as well. But in terms of who is going to take the biggest leap next year, it's hard for me to not say Kyle Hamilton right now just because of how he will probably – I mean, he was basically put out there to be the nickel corner this year. Um, he was the third safety on the field, and they used him as kind of like the nickel corner, but they also blitzed him off the edge, had him in coverage at times. Chuck Clark most likely won't be on this team next year. Kyle Hamilton's probably going to be asked to do more of a safety type of role if Chuck Clark isn't here unless they decide to put Geno Stone over there or something like that. But I would imagine it's going to be Kyle Hamilton's job to lose right there and they figure out what they want to do as far as the nickel corner spot. Um, but I, I do think Kyle Hamilton is probably has the most upside out of everybody just because of the momentum he had finishing the season. Um, I, I wish I could say Isaiah likely, to be honest, because I think he's arguably the most talented of the group. I think he he really has the... You know, I, I look at Isaiah Likely and I see a guy that definitely has the makeup to be a star player. Like if he was on another team and he was tight end one for them, I'd be worried about this dude. I, I think that he could really uh, make an impact for any offense that he's a part of if given the opportunity. Now, he's got things to clean up, no doubt about it. Um, but I, I, I do think it's in him to be, you know, kind of that alpha dog tight end at some point. But, yeah, Kyle Hamilton right now, for me, I like the way Mike McDonald used him this year. I think that they can still, even if Chuck Clark is gone next year, they can still move him around all over the field. I think, in fact, they'll probably be able to use him more next year the way that they wanted, you know, more of the way that they envisioned using him when they drafted him. I thought that he'd be one of the more moved around defensive players in the league. He wasn't as moved around this year, moved around quite a bit, but didn't move around as much as, you know, I necessarily thought he would. But if if given the opportunity next year, I, I could honestly see them adding more on his plate. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's already playing, you know, like a hybrid role doing linebacker and safety. So it's very possible that he could do more safety things. But I really enjoy how he's utilized now um, in terms of linebacker. So I, I, I wouldn't rule out seeing some Geno Stone if Chuck doesn't come back because he plays the hybrid so well. But I, I, I do think that um, Kyle Hamilton does nothing but trend up from there. Um, I'm going to say Travis Jones. And, and I say that because I think that there's a possibility that you will have some guys, some veteran guys on that defensive line that won't return. Um, we don't know the the, the status of, of a Calais Campbell. And so if that's the case where Calais decides to move on, whether it's retirement, whether it's, you know, go to another team, um, I really think that, you know, Travis Jones has an opportunity here to step up and be um, the guy. And I think that in the, in the, the interim um, opportunities that we've seen from him, he's shown you, you know, reasons why. I'll never forget Cordell, you and I being at training camp and um, him, you know, breaking up, uh, the, you know, getting through the line and forcing Tyler Huntley out uh, to, to, you know, scramble out, you know, outside mm -hmm. and him just kind of being stride for stride yeah. with Tyler Huntley, <laughs> like, and, and until the whistle blew too, you know what I mean? And so to me, you know, that, that, that type of effort and a dude that big is, that says a lot to me. I really feel like this off season, he has the opportunity to really, you know, find a way to, to, to break out, especially if he needs to, you know what I mean? I think that him being a rookie and him not 
having to play like every snap is helpful. And he also has some mentorship there as well from some veteran leaders. But if there's an opportunity, if there if those guys don't come back, you know, it's very possible that we'll see more of Travis Jones. And this this is a team that prides themselves on run defense. And so if he can be the plug and play guy that we've seen, you know, that we've had, we've had the luxury of having over the past, you know, few seasons. I think that that's big. You know, if you don't feel like if, if Travis Jones cannot make you feel like you miss Calais Campbell if he doesn't come back and he, and you don't miss a step, I think that that's really, you know, important. And oftentimes I think that we, you know, we don't really look at um, the trenches in terms of like impact, right? I know we talked about Tyler Lindenbaum and how great he was. And of course that there's an impact and, and he helped solidify that offensive line. But oftentimes I think we look at other players like a pass rusher or a cornerback or, you know, a running, a running back or tight end to say, well, these guys have the opportunity to have the biggest, um, you know, impact on, on the season. But I'm a person that truly believes um, everything starts at the line of scrimmage. And so if Travis Jones can find a way to um, really be a force to be reckoned with, I think that this defensive line could, has the potential to be very nasty. If And that's if you start seeing more of a consistency play from um, uh, uh, away in terms of pass rush. I mean, look at it. You got Ajabo, who's another guy that I think has an opportunity to have a big leap because obviously we know that he was dealing with an Achilles injury. So we really, the the I don't think that it's necessarily a leap. I just think that, you know, it'll be, a, a, oh, he's fully healthy type mm-hmm. of situation. Um, but you got Ajabo, you got Travis Jones, two guys that came out of the same draft. You know, and then you still have other guys. You still got a Michael Pierce that you I expect to come back. He, I think a lot of people forgot about him because he went out very early in the season. Um, you, you have Metabike, uh, you have those guys. So, you know, this could potentially be a very young and strong front for the Ravens. But I really believe that Travis Jones has to be um, has to really step his game up in order for them to be as dominant as I think that they can be. Totally agree. I mean, the only thing that I think would stop him uh, would be the guys in front of him. Broderick Washington made a big jump this year. How much, you know, him and Matt Abike, but they do have a rotation. I would imagine Travis Jones would be able to carve out uh, a role for himself as as nothing else, the pass rushing, you know, defensive tackle or, or what the case may be, but it'll definitely be enough snaps for him to get on the field and make an impact. It's just a matter of, will he be able to do it? But, you know, I, both of us chose defensive guys. I mean, the, the defensive side of the ball, I think, is the most reliable right now <laughs> when you look at it. I mean, it's tough. We don't, we don't, they don't have an offensive coordinator yet. It's tough right, to really know exactly. what Isaiah Likely's role is going to be next year. I mean, Tyler Linderbaum, I think he could definitely make a big step next year. I mean, he's got to get stronger. He dealt with a lot of, I think Tyler Linderbaum had to deal with a lot of the elite nose tackles this year Um, that, when you saw it, when he went up against guys that were substantially bigger than him, he struggled, especially in one-on-one situations. So it's not overly concerning because centers usually don't have to go one-on-one a lot. It's a lot of helping as a center, but he's always, you know, he always found a way to hold his own in the end. He didn't always have the game he wanted or the plays he wanted to, um, but I, I was overall pleased with what I got out of Tyler Linderbaum. But yeah, I can't, get upset with Travis Jones being the pick or Kyle Hamilton. I think both of these guys, you know, are going to be, are going to have bigger roles than they had this year, uh, next year, despite what they're asked to do. Um, I think that this defense in general is very young. They've got their core together, you know, contractually for the next few years. You know, they, they are probably a corner away from really being, continuing to be one of the elite defenses in the league, I think. I completely agree with you. And I think that, you know, having those key pieces, like you already mentioned, you said Jalen Armour Davis, you know, a guy that had some health issues, you know, and he has a potential um, place here because you'd have to assume that the, the defensive back room is going to look a little different, you know, come next year. Um, And then I'm not giving up on Pepe either. So I really do think that those are some guys that, that, 
really, you know, could get a, they can get a full off season now, you know, because this is going to be their second year and they can find a, a place um, to, to really, you know, at least be the next nickel, the next dime guy and be can re- consistently relied on. So, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be fun to see how uh, this plays out. I, I really have to, when you look at that draft class, before we get into our, our, our next um, segment, Cordell, that draft class is actually pretty good. Oh, overall, when you look at the guys that they had, the only one, again, that I mentioned earlier that's no longer here is Beatty, and that's just because he terminated his contract and found a better opportunity somewhere else. It's very hard to get in here as a running back because the Ravens have, you know, they they value their running backs. But ultimately, I mean, every guy that they drafted played a role in some form or fashion um, this season, whether it be short-term, long-term. I mean, they were there. So, yeah, that's – Pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Especially, you know, you think to guys like Daniel Falele that were thought to be the projects of the of the class. Um, they were able to find their way. He was able to find his way onto the field. You know, Jalen Armour Davis, he played a little bit earlier in the season up until he got hurt. Um, Pepe Williams was in rotation with the nickel spot up until Kyle Hamilton had pretty much solidified that spot as his own this year but yeah I mean Eric DaCosta came into that draft saying he wanted all of his draft picks to make an impact and other than Tyler Beatty you know everybody else did yeah I mean and Tyler Beatty was their last pick of the draft so uh I, I think that's I think this draft class was definitely a success and they needed it to be a success at least so far it's been a success because um you know Eric DaCosta has gotten a lot of heat for his draft classes, specifically his top draft choices, not always panning out. Uh, Adolfo Owe was still kind of waiting for him to look like the guy that the Ravens thought he'd be when they drafted him. Marquise Brown was traded. That's a first round pick gone. Rashad Bateman, their last first round pick wide receiver has been hurt his first two years of his career. So, I mean, the questions have been valid, um, but I think that I think that this draft class did a pretty good job in making their GM look good. Absolutely. Before we get into our last segment, have you subscribed to the Winning Drive podcast? If not, what are you waiting for? Hit that subscribe button so that every time there's a new episode, you will be the first to know. So we heard GM. Eric DaCosta, talk about the wide receiving situation that the Ravens are dealing with this offseason, Cordell. And they talked about how they wanted to go about getting new wide receivers. And, of course, he acknowledged that they're going to try to get a guy, whether it's free agency, um, whether it's, you know, um, trade or draft. And one of the things that Eric DaCosta said, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, is basically they want to find a guy that's not going to, um, you know, clock up the salary cap um, in about three, four years. And that they want to try to find, you know, someone that basically um, will help their situation, but that the Ravens are really a, a, a long haul type of team and not a short term team. And by that, I'll use examples like the LA Rams who we know, you know, kind of went all in, um, in their championship year. Um, and I don't necessarily want to say the Buffalo bills. Cause I don't think, I think that the, the situation with Stephon Diggs, um, was just because they needed a number one guy. But if you want to use that because they did use a first round draft pick to, to get digs, we could use that as an example as well. Um, but I think that those are the types of, of situations that he was speaking in reference to when he was talking about, um, you know, not really, you know, wanting to go for the gusto and getting um, wide receivers. We know that the NFL is very complimentary of uh, passing the ball. That's what they want. That's that's they believe that that's part of the excitement of the game, and so that's something that they they focus on. We know that the Ravens traditionally, you know, want to run the football, but they have to find some balance, and we know that that's obvious. Uh, I'm curious to know your thoughts, you know, Cordell, because we know that the Ravens have gone the draft route. They've gone to Marquise Brown. They've gone to Rashard Bateman. You can even say, oh, well, they went to you know Devin Duvernay at one point and um there's some other guys but do you really feel like you know the Ravens think that or or do you really believe let me say this because we know that the Ravens think that they would prefer to have a guy that's not going to strap them up 
um, four or five years from now, that it's going to, you know, be a cap friendly type of, of, of deal. But do you really believe that that's what's going to work in today's NFL? Um, you know, it'd be one thing I, I, I'm going to tell you my thoughts on that. I think it would be one thing if you had a pass game, a pass game that was, you know, pretty effective. And maybe you could just just plug and play guys, but the Ravens don't have that luxury. And I, they, at the end of the day, they still need a guy that defenses are going to be scared of. Rashad Bateman could absolutely be that guy. We have no idea because he has not finished the season. He has not played, you know, um, full seasons at this point. And then he hasn't played in I don't know how long um, in the 2022 season. So you do need another guy that's going to give you a chance, basically. If you have Tyler Huntley out there, you really don't want his number one receiver being a Demarcus Robinson. You would prefer it to be like what Philly did in getting at A.J. Brown and mm -hmm. such. And now Philly is in the AFC Championship game. I mean, if you, I mean, NFC, excuse me. If you look at Philly, they drafted a guy. They did. They got the, they got one guy in the draft, but then they also went out and got another guy. So essentially they have two number one receivers. And if you think about it, they 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 signed so they signed AJ Brown. They gave him an, a contract extension. And then they have another guy that they can pick up a fifth-year option, although they probably won't. They'll probably extend him at some point prior to that. But they still have the option of keeping this guy throughout his rookie year. So for them, it works. Do you think that that's the way that they should go about this, or should it be a, a patience and 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 you know, oh, cap this and cap that, and, and you can still compete in this league, particularly this division? Yeah. Of all things? I mean, uh, I'm not. I, you want to tip that tiptoe that line of being aggressive while also being, you know. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Smart? <laughs> uh, smart and responsible, I guess. Yeah, responsible. Uh, there you you go. know, um, I, I think that you could argue a team like the Rams weren't responsible with their cap, but the trade-off was a Super Bowl ring. I yep. mean, ultimately, what is what is more important? Is it more important for you to be a very good team for the five years, or is it more important for you to be a great team in that one year window and go and win it all. I mean, you've seen the Ravens have been a quality team over the over the last few years or really for a while now. And it doesn't always result in a Super Bowl. Hell, it doesn't even always result in a playoff win. You know what I'm <laughs> saying? Um, but you look at some of these other teams who are in, you know, a financial disparity, but they've got a Super Bowl to show for it. I think in this in this league, you got to take your window when you get it. If you get an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, I don't know if there's a head coach that'll turn that down. If you tell them you can either mess your cap up for the next four years or and get a Super Bowl this year, or you could be, you know, a really good team for the next five years and, you know, kind of just fizzle out at the divisional round at best. Uh, I think every coach is going to say, give me the Super Bowl that one year and we'll figure things out after that. I, but I, the Ravens aren't going to change their philosophy in that they're, they're never, I don't, I don't think that they're ever going to be one of those teams that are just like desperate for a ring to yeah. the where they basically uh, turn, turn away from their morals, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? They, they decide to be one of these other teams, these, you know, uh, teams that are way more liberal with their money than the Ravens are. They, they just, that's just not who they are. Uh, they, in some ways, I don't think that they should be. You know, I don't I don't think that they I think that they do have a quality team. I'm not necessarily saying that they should go out there and sign every big name veteran um to big deals or and, and try to win it all. That doesn't guarantee you anything. Even though it's worked for teams, it doesn't necessarily guarantee you anything. I would make the argument that the Bills have kind of gone all in and it's not working for them. Yeah. They just got sent home this past weekend. Um, yeah. But then you look and, you know, like I said, the Rams won last year. I would say that the Eagles are kind of a team that have gone all in this year. It's definitely working for them. San Francisco trading for Christian McCaffrey at the trade deadline. Yep. I think that they've gone all in. It's working for them. Um, so, I, but granted, the two common factors between the Niners and the Eagles is that they're both riding with rookie quarter, quarterbacks on rookie deals. Um, that's, 
the window. The Ravens blew that. That that's their big when they, when it's all said and done, they're going to look back and realize how much they truly fumbled during Lamar's rookie contract. They 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 really did. That was the time to go and swing for the fences and go and get a DeAndre Hopkins or go and get somebody that's not friendly to your cap because you know that you don't have to at least spend top money at the most premium money position in the NFL, which is the quarterback position. But now that's changed because even if Lamar gets the franchise tag, that's 45 million off your books right there. So um, I I think that it makes it tougher for the Ravens to do that now that they're actually paying their quarterback real money. But what I love for the Ravens to kind of say, you know what, we'll figure out the cap situation. We'll restructure some deals. We'll find a way to get as much talent on the team this year as possible um, and and make a run at this thing, I'd love to see that happen. I really would. I think that the Ravens have made a name for themselves by trying to do the opposite of what all the other teams do. They all, you know, when everybody else around the league follows a certain trend, the Ravens are just those same old-fashioned people that are just going to continue to do what they've always done because it's worked for them. You know what I'm saying? You think about the evolution of the past game, the Ravens haven't really been killing themselves to, to, to catch up to the league in the past game. It's looking like that's, they may be changing that now, but look how long that's taken. The NFL has been a pass first league for a while now. Um, but the Ravens have still kind of st- stood on their morals and said, we're going to run the ball. We're going to play good defense. And, you know, we'll find a way to make it happen. We're talking about the cap situation right now and trading for big name wide receivers. That's not what they do. They go and get the bargain bin wide receivers. They go and get the 40% off wide receivers from the sidewalk sale or something like that. You know what I'm saying? That's that's the, that's what they do. That's how they value the wide receiver position. But now they're having to change some of these things. Now, I asked Acosta if he was going to change his the way that he has gone about getting receivers he's the last few years he's gone about it by via draft and via late season uh, late preseason signings or in season signings it hasn't been any splash wide receiver signings for the ravens in the regular free agent market this they don't go out and start signing receivers until they're in mini camp or training camp or in season that's got to change I mean, yeah, you could make the argument that the Demarcus Robinson situation worked for them. I mean, when you think, I mean, I, by their standards, he wasn't great by any means. But when you think about getting a wide receiver on the last week of the preseason that's just been cut by a team, you know, Demarcus Robinson turned out to be the best receiver they had on the roster this year when, I, you know, granted due to injuries, but that's just what they had. Um it's ugly. It's ugly. I think that they're going to have to change the way that they've gone about the wide receiver position. And to their credit, they've tried to take some first round swings on some guys that didn't work yeah. out with Marquise Brown. Um, the jury is still out on Rashad Bateman. I do like Bateman. I like Bateman yeah. a lot. Um, but I don't think that Rashad Bateman can be the best receiver on your team. It, I mean, if, not even just from a talent standpoint, but just from a health standpoint, he hasn't yep. shown that he can stay healthy long enough for you to rely on him to be your number one receiver. So you have to make other plans for that. You have to have other receivers in place. And, you know, Eric DeCosta said they kind of took on water at the receiver position. Man, y'all drowned at the receiver position. The receiver position was non void. It wasn't there. It was like... <laughs> You look at the stat sheet and you look at their wide receiver production compared to everybody else's, it's night and day. Um, right. That can't happen at the NFL level. You can't have Super Bowl aspirations and not get quality production from the wide receiver position. It just won't work. I agree. Um, 110%. The Ravens need to get with the times here. Uh, and with the times is that you have to find – um, solid wide receiving uh, help in order to win football games. I, I hear everything you're saying. You're absolutely right about this is their model, and their model is cool if you want to get in the playoffs. Their model is not cool if you want to win playoff games, mm-hmm. and that's the bottom line. Um, 
you know, it, yeah, it was great when you got guys like Steve Smith in free agency or when you got guys like Anquan Bolden via trade. Um, and, and both of those guys clearly were, yeah, well, Anquan Bolden is a different animal because Anquan Bolden got traded uh, and then went to San Francisco and still played at a very high level. But he had been in, the, he had been seven seasons in with the Cardinals before even being traded to the Ravens. So that's a different animal. But ultimately, you keep finding guys that are, are these 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 longtime veterans, and I'm cool with that. But you also need to have some youth and talent at the wide receiver position. And sometimes that's going to require, yes, using your draft picks. Sometimes that's going to require trade. And, you know, I, I understand that, you know, you feel like you have a certain type of thing that, that you need to do to, to stay um, – you know, winning or whatever. But when you start looking at the guys that, that the not even the league, Cordell, your own division has, you know what I'm saying? The Bengals have two number one receivers. You know, the, the Browns traded for Amari Cooper. I'm not sure why you didn't think that that was, that was a decent trade. Cause I don't even think that they got, that they traded a whole lot for Amari Cooper. Oh yeah. And the same off season that they traded for Deshaun Watson. Um, so, and then you have the Steelers that really love what George Pickens is doing. And you know, that the, the Ravens flock ain't going to never let that go because they always, a lot of people wanted George Pickens to be a Raven. I, I'm not really sure what you think that, why do you think that, um, what you're doing doesn't need to be tweaked because everything evolves. The times always evolve. I love the run game as much as anybody else. But the one thing I'm certain of is that if you don't have a true number one receiver, you're only going to go so far in terms of winning football games. And again, I'm not even talking about in football games in the, in the AFC. I'm literally talking about winning games in your own division because of the talent that other teams have that wide receiver. So while I respect what they do over there, and I think that it is a nice blueprint. I think sometimes you do got to tweak the blueprint. And you're absolutely right. What they should have done a couple years ago while Lamar was in his rookie contract was go out and get another guy. Go out and get a number one receiver. So then that way you would have been able to expound and, and move forward into the playoffs. Now, obviously, we know that health was an issue for Lamar down the stretch the last two seasons. But, okay, in the 2020 season, why didn't you go out and get somebody? Why didn't you go out and get a, 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 a number one guy? So then that way, when you went to the divisional round after that season, you could have found a way to beat Buffalo. I don't understand why you keep doing the same thing over and over, and then you don't understand why you keep getting bounced out the first weekend or Super Wild Card weekend. Right. It's because you need wide receiver help, period. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to I, – I, I've said this before. I think I said this this offseason, this past offseason, that – they needed to find a way to incorporate some sort of aggressiveness in their off-season plan. Um, I get that they're going to be do what they've always done, but I think in life there comes opportunities to where you have to kind of do something a little differently than you normally do to actually achieve the goal you're looking to achieve. And I think that right now, after everything that the Ravens have seen happen for them at the wide receiver position over these over the years, they would understand that this is a pivotal part of what we this is a pivotal position we need to fix. Especially with Lamar being in his contract situation, you're still trying to assess him and figure out what type of player he is and how good he can really be. How can you judge this guy with the weapons that he has around him? It's it's laughable. It's laughable. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know many quarterbacks that can be successful with the weapons that Lamar has around him, but yet he's found a way to, you know, squeeze as much out of that uh out of that orange as he possibly can. And I think it's been to his detriment because it has allowed them to believe that they can get away with having little to no talent at the wide receiver position because they have had enough success to give them hope that they can build on that. Um, I, I, it's just something's got to give. We're in the modern day times of the NFL. You're watching all the teams that are left in the playoffs right now. It's not a coincidence that all of these teams throw the ball very yep. well. 
Yeah. Um, even the run heavy teams, even the teams like the Niners and the Eagles who still run the ball just as much as anybody, they still throw the ball just as a, as effectively as any team in the NFL. It's no excuse why the Ravens are the only team that can't do both. It really is no It's excuse. because they choose not to. It's not that they can. It's that they don't want to. And that's the problem. Definitely, definitely is a problem. And I think it's a problem that they're trying to fix. It looks like with all these offensive coordinate pass game coordinators that they're interviewing and things like that. Um, I, 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 like I said, they're going to have to go out there and get talent and, there's not a lot of wide receiver talent on free eight in free agency. I mean, so you're going to have to trade for one. Yeah, if they're going to make a big splash at that position, they're going to have to trade for him, and that's going to mean getting a little uncomfortable with your cap situation. If you trade for a D Hop, you're going to have to give D Hop a new deal. Um, and I don't think it'll be market setting, but he's going to ask for something substantial. I mean, it's DeAndre Hopkins. Um, albeit he is 31, but I don't, I don't look, it doesn't look like to me that DeAndre Hopkins is slowing down at right. all. Um, and maybe Tampa Bay decides they want to go into a rebuild and Mike Evans becomes available. Who knows? I mean, there, if, if any big name wide receivers name is thrown out there on the trade block, the Ravens should be the first team calling that they should really be the first team calling. And, I know they only have five picks going into this draft. I'm pretty sure they don't want to have less than five picks going into this draft. But if you can trade that number, that 22nd pick to get you a known commodity like a Mike Evans or a DeAndre Hopkins or something like that, I would do it. I, I would do it. You're not going to get anything better than those guys, I think, at 22. I ain't trading the first round for DeAndre Hopkins because I think DeAndre Hopkins ain't working um, a first-round draft pick. but. <laughs> But maybe a second or something, you know what I mean? Like, maybe I, maybe not. I agree with I, I that. Think the, I think, I think, I don't know. I think D Hop, I think D Hop could still is is still very good. I I, I, think, I do too. No, no, no. I, I, let me be clear. I'm not saying that I don't think he's good. But he didn't even first round he didn't go for a second. He didn't go for a first when he got traded right years ago. So I'm not going right. to get somebody now. Yeah, a first I mean draft. that's just that's that's really Houston stupidity. But I get well, you. Very I, true. Yeah, I, I, I get you though. So I, I agree though. I mean, look, yeah, five picks ain't ideal, but guess what? You got five picks. So you having five picks isn't ideal to begin with. So let's just keep that unideal going. Go ahead and get you a draft. You can use a 2024 pick. You don't have to use 2023. You could use a 2024 pick. You know what I'm saying? So make it work. Make it work. Figure out how to make it work. All I know is, is that if you want to win games in the National Football League, you have to have a respectable wide receiving group. That's it and that's all. You need guys at the end of the game, when you're throwing a Hail Mary, if the ball is somewhere in their vicinity, they're going to catch it. Mm-hmm. That's what you need. And that's what the Ravens don't have. And that's why they're always going to be a bridesmaid and not a bride until they change their philosophy. <laughs> so there's that. So thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. We will be back on Friday to talk more Ravens. So for a court out to me, this is Winning Drive. Winning Drive.